So you could turn with me, Genesis chapter 7. We are looking at, of course, the flood this week. We, we continue our study through the book of Genesis last week in both chapters 5 and chapter 6, looking at the genealogy of Noah and even the purity in that lineage versus the sinfulness and brokenness of the rest of the world through total corruption. Um, and then tonight, picking up in chapter 7, uh, with the flood, with that judgment Uh, but ultimately seeing what that judgment actually is. And uh, so we begin in verse 1 of chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. God gives, first of all, God gives the invitation. He says, Come into the ark. This is after So many years of building, 120 years of planning, preparing, building, going through the process of looking forward to the promise of God. And the promise of God has multiple layers to it. One in that promise of God is that there was going to be a flood, something that was foreign to them. The idea of the earth being flooded Uh, did not make sense, but there's a promise that that is going to happen, because when God says something is going to happen, we can take it as an absolute. And then, of course, the promise that God would protect, God would save Noah and his family through the ark, the ark being a great picture, of course, of salvation. But here, as we begin now the process of, hey, the building is done, come into the ark, the invitation into the grace of God. Here, God is saying, come in, and he's saying that you, Noah, are righteous. You've been found righteous in this generation. And this generation, as we studied last week, was perverse. It was wicked. There was a lot of filth and and, and sad things going on. And, And we see that wickedness was abounding. Sin was abounding. But Noah and his family was found righteous of a pure bloodline, of a pure lineage, and also in that righteousness was found obedient to God. And there's there's kind of twofold obedience here. There's general obedience in that he was a man living his life in obedience in a time of complete disobedience. A man living his life honoring God when the rest of the world was not honoring God. So in that, he was found to be righteous. But further, there was specific obedience here and that he did what God told him to do. It's very simple in that God said, build an ark, and he built the ark. And so there's general obedience and there's specific obedience. And we go through these times, these seasons in our lives. We know what general obedience is because we have the word of God, right? We have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we know, maybe we don't always know, like, okay, what does God exactly want me to do right now? What is God's plan? What is God's will? What, what is, where's the ark, in a sense? We're looking sometimes for the ark, for something to build, some specific obedience, and we're asked, we want God to show up and tell us sometimes, what is my specific obedience? But God first asks that we be obedient, that we walk in obedience, that we live our lives in a way that is honoring to him, even in the midst of 
a crooked and perverse generation. Even in the midst of all the wickedness that may be going on around us, we studied it on Sunday morning in John chapter 15. There's no excuses for sin, even though, well, look at all the sin going on. At least I'm not as bad as the rest of the world, right? There's no excuses here. But Noah was found to be a man who is righteous because he walked with God, because he walked in obedience. And then in this specific thing, God entrusted to him the obedience of the ark because he showed himself to be faithful to God. And so in that, he, fin- he does the work. He does exactly what God tells him to do. Then verse two, after God says, come in. Come into the ark. It's complete. You've done it, Noah. You've walked in obedience. And now he says, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, male, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. God says a few things here. First of all, you shall. And in saying you shall, he's saying it's going to happen. He's not saying, hey, Noah, do you mind after that obedience of building the ark? Could you maybe take some animals with you? No, you shall, and that, the, the statement here is God saying, this is going to happen, and you're going to do it. You're going to be part of the work that I have set out for you right here in all these animals that are going to come to the ark and get on the ark. You shall take with you, and, and there's, so there's further instruction, but there's a proclamation at the same time, and as he says, you shall take with you, so you shall be a part of fulfilling God's plan for you and for this earth and for repopulating this earth and making sure that the species of the animals would continue. You're part of that plan, Noah. But then God says, okay, this is what you're gonna do and actually I'm gonna do it through you so you shall be a part of it. But also God says, I will. And we've said it before, I just said it before, if God says he will, it's going to happen. We can take it as an absolute. We've seen that a few times in our study in the Gospel of John. When Jesus says, I will, you will, these things are going to happen. And here we see God dealing in the same absolutes because he has a perfect plan for humanity. He has a perfect plan for salvation. He has a perfect plan for the whole entire world. And even for these species to continue. Noah's a part of it. He just asks Noah to walk in obedience so that he wouldn't miss out on God's plan. So he says, then I will. What does he say he will do? Well, he's gonna flood the earth. That's what he's gonna do. Verse four, right? For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. I will flood the earth. I will destroy the earth. It's going to happen. These are absolutes of what God says. And we look at that, wow, that is harsh. Sounds harsh. Sounds like a harsh judgment in general, right? But what we're going to see unfold throughout this chapter 
is the mercy of God and the grace of God because God provides a way. He's already, he's already shown Noah the, that way. This is the way of escape. This is the way to be saved from this total destruction from the flood. But he says, you will, you shall, and you're going to take these animals clean and unclean. This is even in, the law has not happened yet here. We, have, we, don't, we haven't seen the law. It's the idea of clean and unclean animals has not taken full effect in their minds, they're still like, well, clean and unclean. They're still figuring this out. But God says, look, the, the animals that choose their cut and, and have split hooves, those are the clean animals. And you're going to take seven pairs, male and female, right? And then you're going to take two of the unclean. And this is all for the purpose of making sure that these species would continue. But why seven versus two? Well, because the, uh, the clean animals would be required for sacrifice, and we're going to see that sacrifice take place after they get off of the ark. God's got it all figured out, guys. And God, we will see him continue to provide the sacrifice. You shall take seven. I will provide the sacrifice. Fast forward in Genesis chapter 22. When God tells Abraham to take his son to sacrifice him on the mountain. And Isaac's like, where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. Well, we can fast forward even further, and what do we see? The provision of sacrifice of the clean, pure, spotless lamb, Jesus. He shall provide the sacrifice. And so in these seven, Seven, even being the number of completion throughout the Bible, right? There will be seven to provide for the sacrifice. So verse five then, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. It's one thing to hear from God, and we all want to hear from God. It's another thing to do it. And it says here that he did all that the Lord commanded him. So all the things, every detail of the ark, of the preparations, of his family coming together, all the things that God said you will or you shall or you need to do this, you need to walk in obedience, and you need to be a part of the blessing, to be a part of the deliverance, he did it. He did all that God commanded, not just some. He didn't leave out the parts he didn't want to deal with. He didn't think, man, that's a little too many. Maybe that's too big, God. Maybe we could just do a little bit smaller. Can we just scale back the plans of the ark a little bit? Can we just not have so many animals? It's going to smell really bad. You know, I don't want to clean up after them. I mean, I, you know, I, can we not do it this way? Can I just try to inject some of my plans, some of my opinions, but God has a perfect plan. And that is a theme that we have seen so far in these first seven chapters of Genesis. God had a perfect plan. Man messed up that plan. So then God said, well, we gotta redo this plan. We gotta make it perfect again. We've gotta map it out properly. And Noah, you're the guy. You're gonna be a part of that. But it says that Noah, he didn't, he didn't argue with God. He didn't say, well, let's just try it my way, Lord. That's what we do sometimes. I understand, God, that you have a way, you have a plan, 
You ask me to walk in obedience, but can I just do most obedience and then some of it I can do it my way instead? It doesn't work that way, does it? God knew what needed to be done. He provided for every detail. Full obedience, not partial obedience, was required. Verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. That's an old guy to build a massive ark. I, I mean, I get tired doing work around the house these days. I was helping my parents out this morning, and I, was, I had these two wrenches, and I was trying to take the, you know, the, the gas hose off of the back of a dryer. And you got to turn the two wrenches opposite directions, and it wasn't budging. And then all of a sudden, it just let go, and I jammed the one wrench into my thumb, and I'm like, ah! We have pain in all this. Imagine how many times he hit his finger with the hammer or something along the way. Obedience is painful sometimes, right? You got to get the job done, and God was detailed in it, and like, hey, you got to do the job. 600 years old on top of it. He had to be in some good shape for 600 years old to accomplish an ark. Silver seven Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. God is, without doubt, God is making something supernatural happen here. Now, whether it was like this migration, mass migration that took place to get all the animals there... It was the work of God, right? It wasn't just like, oh no, this is happening and the animals are all thinking for themselves, let's go to the ark. It doesn't work that way. God made this happen. Whether it was by design from the beginning or just right here and now a supernatural occurrence, God migrated all these animals to this one place to get, and then, and then two by two, they got on the ark. I, two, I can't get my kids to go two by two out the door in the car. Buckle your seatbelt. No, actually buckle your seatbelt. Let's go. Right? I mean, it's a process. And these animals are just walking up to Noah. Like Noah, is, he's not like the animal whisperer. You know, he's, he's on the ark and they're coming onto the ark through the work of God. No question about it. There is no other way to explain these animals getting onto the ark. There's no other way to explain these animals coming to the ark in the first place. And now two by two, in an orderly fashion, they're getting on the ark. Animals, not even human beings. Animals. How many of you guys have pets? Come on. Is this possible? No. But with God, all things are possible, amen? God was at work because he had a plan. And now Noah and his family, they get on the ark and God brings the animals and they get on two by two and God did this work in response to Noah's faith. 
God's provision, God's miraculous work is a response to faithful obedience. It doesn't mean that it's always gonna be like, oh, if I just have faith, then God's gonna provide everything that I want. No, if I have faith and do what God tells me to do and I walk by faith, then God will provide everything that I need and what Noah needed was those animals to get on the ark because God said it was gonna happen. God's provision is a response to faithful obedience. Verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all of all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So they, they're making preparations. The animals are making their way. Noah is waiting. And here come the animals two by two. And the, but the flood had begun. The, 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 the waters were happening, had begun, whether it was, it had not lifted the ark yet because the animals are walking, but this tells us here that there was waters of the flood. That's why they went onto the ark. They were intimidated. There was a little bit of fear there, but what a great place to be when there's fear that we go to the place that God has called us to. When the waters start to rise, when there's fear, we go to the place that God has designed for us. We look to him and to the strength that he has provided. But now there's still this seven days. As God said, there would be seven days. So now there's this seven days, and they're waiting for the heavens to open. They're waiting for the water to come. At this point, likely, they haven't seen rain not in this capacity, certainly, but the, remember in Genesis chapter one, we talked about the idea of this greenhouse effect or this protective layer of the firmament that was over the earth. So they made, I mean, the, the earth was made perfect. It didn't need rain at that time. God found a way of watering the earth without rain but ruining their day, you know? And now we're like, oh, we're grateful for rain. Yeah, because we need it. But we still don't like it. You're outside, you don't like the rain. You're outside in the wintertime, you don't like the snow. I don't, maybe you do, I don't know. If you do, I'm sorry. We had, a, we had a lady used to be in the church and she would always say, I'm praying for snow, I love the snow. She would keep snowballs in her freezer. I'm like, I'm praying against that. <laughs> we'll see who has more faith that winter, right? But they hadn't seen anything like this before. And, and even as the waters began to rise, they were in fear. And they went to the place that they knew God was calling them to. And, and as they do, right, they get onto the ark. It came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. So the waters had now overflowed from the seas and the oceans, the waterways. They were on the earth. They were in the places that they shouldn't be. Remember, God separated the waters from the earth. Now the waters were on the earth. We got a problem. And that, then the heavens opened. The firmament opened. 
And not only that, but then out of the earth, right? These fountains are coming up out of the earth all at the same time. This is a massive amount of rain and, and water all at once. The waters came forth from the earth. It literally is bursting forth from everywhere. And even in the idea of the firmament that was protecting the earth, now it opened up. The heavens opened up. I believe wholeheartedly that we have never seen and will never see anything like this rain. Because, one, God promised he would never destroy the earth with a flood, right? So it's not going to happen this way again. It's not going to look like this. But the heavens opened up. That is massive, and that's a fulfillment of the promise. God said, it will happen. He said, after seven days, I'll make it rain. After seven days, he made it rain. And boy, did he make it rain. And so the waters are erupting from the earth. The waters are pouring down from the sky As we said before, when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it will happen in abundance. He said he was going to flood the earth. It's going to happen. And he said then for 40 days and 40 nights, it says here that, verse 12, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is a significant number. This number is... Uh, associated with the, the testing and a purification ending in victory and the ruin of evil. And the, this number of 40 would be the idea of completing something to have really that victory of over evil. The, the spy's journey to Canaan was 40 days. Moses' journey to Mount Sinai was 40 days. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years. Jesus fasted and was tempted in the desert for 40 days. Jesus ascended to heaven 40 days after he rose from the dead. This is often associated with the purification process. Even there's the feast, the celebrations at 40 days that Pentecost takes place. Verse 13, on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, and every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, all of flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded And the Lord shut him in. They entered the ark. The family has now all entered the ark. As the floods were coming onto the earth, as now the earth erupts and this water is coming up from the earth and the water is pouring down from above, I get the picture of buckets of water coming down from above, not just some raindrops, Um, like a waterfall in a sense. 
And then they enter the ark. They go to that place according to God's plan. They go to fulfill the work of God, and the Lord shut the door. And it's all these animals after their kind. Now, we're not talking about every single species of every single type of animal, right? Like you have how many different breeds of dogs and how many different types of cats and how many different, you know, types of bunnies and whatever, right? I mean, that's not what this was. It wasn't like, oh, we got to get the labradoodles on there and the German shepherds and the, you know, that's not what's happening here. There was a dog kind, okay? And then from that dog kind came other species, other breeds, right? And so there was these kinds, the unclean and the clean, and the, but they all come onto the ark and the Lord shut the door. Noah did not hold the power of people's fate in his own hands. Noah is not the judge here. And Noah did not shut the door, but the Lord shut them in. He made a way. He had a plan. And he brought this family on, and he brought these animals on, and then the Lord shut the door, but not until the last minute when the floods were going wild, when the rain is coming and the earth is erupting with water. God in his mercy, he waits. He didn't get Noah and his family on the ark and then just shut it and then just say, guys, you just stay there and keep out everybody else. And No, he, he waited. And God shut the door, and as the door was shut, the ark was salvation for mankind. It might look like judgment, but judgment is actually mercy because through God, justice and mercy are completed through Jesus Christ. But the ark was salvation for Noah and his family, therefore it was salvation for mankind. The ark was the manifestation of God's grace here in Genesis chapter 7. And God shut the door, but John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door. So yes, God said, Noah, he's the man who's found righteous, and he's the man who is, who is part of the plan. He's gonna, if he's walking in obedience, he's part of that plan for salvation. And God gave plenty of opportunity before destroying it all. Now imagine what, imagine the heart of God here. Created all things perfect. Created a world without sin for man to be created perfectly in his image. And man messed it up. And that wickedness, that sin, got really creative. We've seen that through chapter four, chapter five, chapter six. That wickedness got worse and worse to the point that God said, I've got to wipe it all clean. But I found this one of pure lineage. I found this one man who is righteous. 
But now as the door is shut, it's Jesus who says, I am the door. As there was one way to be saved from the flood, there's one way to be saved from sin, Jesus. Jesus is the way of salvation. Jesus, in his death and resurrection, is the manifestation of God's grace. Verse 17. Of course, it is as God commanded that these things are happening. Verse 17, now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The flood went on for 40 days and 40 nights, right? The, the waters covered the earth. The rain continued 40 days and 40 nights. The flood was on the earth for 40 days. The water increased. As the water increased, the ark did what it was intending to do. The ark did exactly what God had planned for it to do. Imagine, though, Imagine the faith of being on that ark. The door is shut, and the water is erupting from the earth. The water is falling from above. The, the waters that were in the water are now covering the earth, and they're, by faith, believing that God's plan is going to work out. They've never seen anything like it. Noah had never seen anything like it. In an ark like this. This is a massive boat, a massive ark this, that's made to float, and God designed it and told him exactly how to build it so that it would float. And they wait. They wait for God to do what he said he was gonna do. And it happens. It's a hard place to be waiting for God to do what he says he's going to do. It's not easy to just wait and trust that all the detail, all the blueprints that you have followed would work out. But that's what they did. It took great faith. But the flood was on the earth 40 days that purification process of all the filth and wickedness was being cleansed from the earth, quite literally being cleansed from the earth. And the waters prevailed, verse 18. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth. So the ark is doing what it was supposed to do. They're seeing God's promise fulfilled, and now the waters are prevailing and greatly increasing on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. So even more so, they're seeing the promise fulfilled. They're seeing God's perfection in the plans for this ark fulfilled. And the ark moved about. I'm just, I'm, I'm reminded of Romans chapter five, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Sin abounded in the earth that day. Sin was overflowing in the earth, and then God's mercy rained down and cleansed. God's grace carried them. Verse 19, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth. 
So we go from verse 18, the waters prevailed and greatly increased. And then it's like, oh yeah, even more than that. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth. There's even more water than you thought there was before. And it, it went to this point of, right, it says exceedingly on the earth and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. The water prevailed because that was God's plan for wiping it clean. God's gonna make sure it happens. Now, listen, this is quite specific here in Genesis chapter seven. But there are some who would say that this was a local flood and that the water kind of just like washed across the earth. I, I don't see it. This is pretty specific in that it covered the earth and that it rose up above the mountains. And this ark floated across all of it. How far they went, where they went exactly, we don't know. We know where they landed. So the idea that some would say that this is a local flood, the Bible is very specific here in these verses. It was a global flood. And maybe you disagree, but listen, if, they were, if it was not a global flood, the ark would not be necessary because they could just run and hide. Find another place to go. If this was, a, if this was not a global flood, then God would be a liar because he said he was gonna destroy the whole earth. He said he was gonna flood the whole earth. Global destruction would be false if this was not a global flood. And God's promise would be false. And then he said, I would never destroy the whole earth with a flood. He, what he's saying, I will never destroy the whole earth in this manner. There's nothing ever like it. The mountains were, were covered. And it, it all, as it talks about the waters prevailing more and more and more and more, it gives us a very clear picture of how much water there was. And I, I believe it's for that purpose that we would know this was a global flood. This was no small thing. This wasn't just some destruction over the people. And then, of course, how, how would these other verses be true if this just kind of washed over the earth? Verse 21 then tells us all flesh died that moved on the earth. All flesh died. If it was a local flood, would all flesh die? No. All flesh died that, covered, that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land. You see, God breathed into man. And now in that same creation, God finds it necessary to wipe it out. All flesh died that moved on the earth. This, this further indicates global, a global flood. It's all the animals, the birds. That, that indicates to us how significant the waters were coming down from above. If it's just raining outside, are the birds going to die? If it's just like, oh, some raindrops? Now, this water was pouring down. 
and all things were destroyed. So the birds, they couldn't survive. All the trees, everything is wiped out. Everything was destroyed. Every living thing. All that walked across the earth, all that had breath, died. But Noah and his family remained. This is a fulfillment of a 120-year promise. Noah and his family remained. And that's what God does. When the whole, everything is destroyed, when everything is literally, like that water is destroying everything, what remains? What God designed. Sometimes there may be things that we walk through in life that feels like there's destruction. And you know what? Maybe God is purging. Maybe God is cleansing. And the things that remain is what God designed to remain. The things that remain is what God desires according to his plan. And what God looks at and says, I could use that. I found that righteousness. But no one in his family remained and God fulfilled the promise. In verse 24, And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. That's a long time to be on an ark. It's a long time to be cooped up with all those animals. And some would say that even, you know, uh, God must have put the animals into some sort of like hibernation during this time. It would make sense. Because what are you going to do with all these animals for 150 days? Six months almost, right? Six months, 150 days that, that the waters prevailed. That, they were on the ark longer. But the waters prevailed. This was brutal. There was, like, there was no end in sight. Now, look, guys, look back to last year when it's like, oh, two weeks, quarantine. We're like, no, that's horrible. Two weeks, 14 days, that's too long. And then it was like, all right, two more weeks. No, I can't do it. <laughs> Another month. No, I can't. And then we just stopped paying attention. I think, what are we now? I don't know how many days. It's whatever. But the reality is, like, we don't like any little discomfort. And, but God, in his grace, calls us to faith and says, there is a way for you to walk in the fullness of God, to walk according to God's plan. And if you do it, you're going to be able to do things that you could never have imagined, like 150 days of the waters pouring from heaven and the earth erupting with water and floating across it in this big box that you built by faith, just trusting that God's dimensions were right, trusting that God's plan was right. It's not going to spring a leak imagine, Noah wasn't a boat builder. He's not coming into it with his plans thinking, this is how we gotta do it, God. He's just trusting that as he puts it together, it is according to God's way and that God would do exactly what he said he's gonna do. And he's, call, he's getting these animals on the ark and preparing for these animals on the ark, not knowing it's gonna be so difficult 
Not knowing that the, 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 the storm is going to be bad. Not knowing that it's going to be 150 days. Not knowing how, how bad this smells might be. Not knowing all the detail. Just knowing I have to do what God instructed me to do. And if I do it, God's going to come through. God's going to fulfill his promise. And we'll get into that next week. God fulfilling his promise. But it would make sense that these animals were in some sort of hibernation because for 150 days, they didn't go wild. They didn't make many more animals either. Well, listen, we could look at this and we could say this is a harsh judgment. But it's truly God's mercy and grace. Because when sin abounds, when all else is destruction, that's what the, that's what the world was. It was complete destruction. It was, it was in its place of self-destruction. And God looked at it with mercy and did not want to allow that to happen as he does. When all else was destruction, God made a way for life. He put life on the ark. He called Noah to obedience and he called him to faith. God could have started over entirely if he wanted to. I mean, he formed Adam out of the ground. But he found this man who would walk by faith. God will do amazing things with obedience, with faith. But God made a way for life, and there was only one way. There was no second ark. There was no, you know, other group that was building a boat. There was no competing arcs. Like, oh, our ark's going to be better. There was one way. Just as there's one way still to this day. There was one way to be saved from the flood. There's one way to be saved from the destruction of sin is Jesus Christ. Guys, that's what we start to see, right? So we, we're looking so far here in these first seven chapters in Genesis and we're saying, man, there's this theme that we see that God has a perfect plan. And even though we messed up the plan, God still has a perfect plan. And he, ha- he makes a way for salvation. He makes a way for man that we're gonna, we get to see throughout the entire Bible, that is his plan, Jesus. We get to see the message of the Bible is, in fact, the grace of God. The message of the Bible is pointing us to Jesus, the manifestation of the grace of God through his death and resurrection. And we see that picture here. So well in Genesis 7, the ark being a picture of his grace, being the way of salvation, but the only way. And there was one door on the ark. And when God shut the door, it didn't stay shut because Jesus is the door. And Jesus said, I am the way. There's one way. It's through Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
just surrender. There's not much more we can say about it. Come to Jesus. Give your life to him. There is one way. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just as there was one way through, through escaping the flood, one way to overcome the wickedness of that day, it was the ark. And Jesus is a fulfillment. And Jesus is that one way. He died on the cross to make a way. He rose from the dead to make a way. He fulfills all of these things, even that we would look at. I mean, Genesis 7 is this cartoon story of Noah. And we, we have all the, you know, the kids' toys. I mean, some of my kids' first toys are like Noah's little, little tyke's ark, you know, and the plastic animals. And they're all smiling. Noah's smiling. I doubt he was smiling when he had to clean up. But we get that picture of like the ark. It's this beautiful cartoon. And man, it was rough. But Noah was found faithful. Noah was found a man that would please the Lord through his faith and walking in obedience. And the ark was the way. Jesus fulfills it. Jesus is the way. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, listen. He's the only way. There is no other way to the Father. 